from the book of Proverbs. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor in life. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide, divide the spoil with the proud. Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. Better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Good morning, good morning. Thank you, Stuart. If I'm too loud, you just push the little. Okay. So, here I stand before you once again. Uh, it, it, it's always kind of funny as I try to figure out um, what message I want to share. Um, God seems to kind of push me in one direction or another based on what's going on in my life at that time. And it's just so neat to see how he uses our experiences to teach us, you know, what we, what we need to learn. There's so much to learn. Um, so 14 years ago, give or take a day, I gave my life to Jesus. I was really excited. I was really passionate. And some might say probably a little on the obnoxious side as well. Um, I really wanted to learn I wanted to know everything. I, I wanted to grow. And so time has passed, and I like to think I'm a little more relaxed about it than I used to be, but still passionate and still enthusiastic. And I've learned a lot, and I think I've grown a lot. But one of my goals has always been to abide in Christ, like 24-7. And I still struggle with that. I find myself times during the day where I'm not thinking about him or focusing on him and then I'm like well, why not how did you get distracted I know I want to love him more I want to know him more I've prayed about it I've read about it I've you know trying to find is there a solution what do I need to do differently I've really begged him for it I tried to take silent time and kind of will it to happen, but there really wasn't a change. So I was kind of in prayer and trying to figure out, all right, Lord, you know my heart. What is in the way of me getting closer to you? And uh, he basically said, there's sin in your life. Not the stealing, killing, lustful sin that we 
think about, but subtle sins, sins that we don't think of as sin and we think that we're okay. But truly, we're not. So as I was praying about being closer to God, I felt like he was asking me, are you really humble? Do you always put others first? Do you rely on me and me alone? Or is your bank account your backup? So a few days later, I'm back at work having a very busy morning. I think I had just come off a vacation and uh, I had some extra work to do. Um, Because of what I do, it's a little unique. I become kind of labeled as the expert in that. And so um, it's very nice, but you know, you get nurses and doctors and they talk to the patients and they say things like, well, if anybody can help you, he can. Or, um, oh, he's the best, he'll make it work. And uh, well, it's hard for your head not to swell, (laughs) honestly. Um, I give glory to God, but I kind of was pondering, do I, do I really mean it? Or am I taking that praise and just kind of giving God lip service, so to speak? So, as God does work in unique and sometimes funny or ironic ways, I was late for office that morning. I'm trying to get over there. I have a whole slew of patients to see, and it's super hot out. I don't like hot at all. Uh, I was about to go in my office building, which has incredibly good air conditioning, so I was pretty excited about that. I had walked across the parking lot in the scorching heat, and I hear a voice, um, sir, can you help me? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, who, who, who is it? And um, so I say, sure, of course I can. I'm a, I'm a servant of God. I can help you. Um, and so there's a lady who had just pulled into the handicap spot. And uh, basically, she was having trouble getting out of her car. And I said, well, what can I do? And she said, can you get my wheelchair out for me? Okay, I mean, yeah, why not? So I go over to the back side of her car, and I open the door, and there's the biggest, heaviest-looking wheelchair I think I have ever seen And it's not placed in there gingerly. It's like wedged in there. And I'm like, how did this ever get in here? I mean, like four people put this in here? How am I supposed to get this thing out? So I'm like tugging on it and pulling on it. And I'm thinking, I am so hot. I've got so much to do. I am so important. I have all these people in my office waiting for me. And I'm sitting here getting this lady's wheelchair out. But I'm a servant of God. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I get this thing out. And I even opened it for her. I didn't just wheel it over closed. I opened it and I wheeled it over. And I'm like, here you go. Go ahead and sit down. And she goes, oh, well, thank you. No, I I need my cushions. Okay, where are your cushions? Oh, they're in the back. Okay. So I go over to the back and there's like some of these chuck pads and there's an egg crate and all this stuff and she said cushion so I'm like I'll grab the egg crate so I get the egg crate and I bring it over and I put it down and I'm like there you go she goes no I need all the cushions okay I'm like oh gotta go Um, so I go back and I get the rest of the cushions now 
you guys might know this, but I didn't. It's very important the order that you put the cushions down in the chair. And so after a couple times, I got it just right. And so you, you imagine this short, kind of round little lady sitting down in her wheelchair. She had gotten her um, walker out. She sits down in the chair. She has the walker. She's hugging it, and she's holding her feet up. And I'm looking, and I'm like, I'm thinking I'm about to go, right? And I'm looking, I'm going, like, how are you supposed to get anywhere? You can't move yourself. She goes, oh, no, can you, can you push me up to, you know, my appointment? And I'm like, I guess. I'm a servant of God. Um, and, uh, you know, I asked her, I said, how are you going to get here if I hadn't happened by? And she told me a story of how the office was supposed to send someone down, but then they couldn't and whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess God sent me. Um, so long story short, I, uh, I push her in the building, wait for the elevator, get in the elevator. There's enough room for anybody else in the elevator with the two of us in her wheelchair. Get her up there, struggle to get her in the office. There's chairs in the way and everything. Get her in there. And <sighs> Are you good now? Is everything okay? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, what's your name? I'll pray for you, whatever. Um, and um, she says she's good and she thanks me. I'm thinking, don't people get paid for doing this? Anyway, so I, 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 I got her settled in, and I was feeling pretty good about myself because I had definitely been a servant. My one concern, and, and, and this is a little hard to admit, but I was like, geez, I, I hope someone saw me, saw what a good servant I was. Because that was pretty impressive. Here I am, I'm a doctor, I'm late for work, I'm busy. I was so important at the hospital, but then I stopped and helped this lady and went above and beyond. I mean, um, so look at me. So I went upstairs and I meet with my office manager when I go into work and, and uh, I said, oh, sorry, I was a little late, I was tied up. She goes, I know, I saw everything. You were really nice to that lady. And I'm going like, score, you know? She saw me, look, I, I, look how wonderful I am. So I, <laughs> I was pretty ashamed of, uh, of how I was feeling at that point. So, I ask God to forgive me and show me what I needed to do differently. Because for whatever reason, that day, I had no humility. It was all about me. It wasn't about him. I was doing that for my glory and, and not for his. So, let's talk a little bit about what the Bible says about humility. The Bible describes humility as meekness or lowliness, where you have absence of self. It's a heart attitude. It's not an outward demeanor. You can put on a show of humility and still be full of pride and arrogance like I was. 
Jesus tells us that if you're poor in spirit, you would have the kingdom of heaven. He shares this on the Sermon on the Mount. So being poor in spirit means that only those who admit to complete and absolute bankruptcy of spiritual worth will inherit eternal life. So if you act humbly, but you're really not humble, if your heart's not humble, what does that mean? When we come to Christ as sinners, we must come in humility. We acknowledge that we are beggars and that we have nothing to offer him. We need him to wipe away our sins. We need him for our salvation. But if our heart isn't in the right place, you can't just say the words. But if you mean it, he offers us grace and he offers us mercy. And we accept it. And we commit our lives to him and to others. In this process, we die to, die to ourselves. We become a new creation. So that means we're supposed to be different. Unfortunately, we can still be pulled by some of our old heart attitudes and things, but we need to be different. But what we need to remember and never ever forget as he has changed our worthlessness for his infinite worth. He has substituted our sin with his righteousness. And the life that we now have, we live by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is true humility. Let's understand that Biblical humility is not about lowering yourself. It's about lifting others up. The emphasis is not on our lowliness or our lack of significance. The focus is on other people around us, focusing on their needs and their well-beings. Count others more significant than yourselves, not because others are more valuable, as we're all equal before the foot of the cross. But because that's the mindset of humility. Christ was humblest, not because he was lesser than other people. For sure, he was not. But rather because he was able to put everyone else before himself. Biblical humility calls us to service. Service for his glory and not ours. He did not come to be served, but to serve. 
So we must commit ourselves in the same direction of serving others, putting other people's interests before our own. Jesus was not ashamed to humble himself as a service, as a servant, even to the point of dying on the cross. He was obedient to the Father. And so should a humble Christian be willing to put aside selfish desires and submit to God in obedience and submit to God's word. God has promised to give grace to the humble and oppose the proud. We must confess and put away our pride. If we exalt ourselves, we place ourselves in opposition to the will of God. If we humble ourselves, God gives us more grace and he will exalt us. So we must submit. We must submit to God in our humility. Submit means to obey or be subject to. It's a process of surrendering our will to the will of the Father. In Ephesians, we read about how wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and how husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church. Peter writes that young men, in much the same way, should be submissive to those that are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So really, we should all be submitting to one another. But you can't submit to God without humility, and you can't submit to others without humility. We must humble ourselves and surrender to others' authority. But surrender willingly, not reluctantly. Having a submissive and humble heart is a choice that we must make. It's a daily choice to submit to God so that the Holy Spirit can work in us and conform us to the image of Christ. As we saw in my story, God will use the situations in our lives to bring us an opportunity to submit. We have to make a choice to study his word. We have to make a choice to obey God. And he asks that we do it cheerfully. If we want to grow spiritually, we need to submit. It starts at the moment of your salvation, and it is ongoing every day with every choice that we make. Are we going to submit to God's will, or are we going to choose our own? The blessings and the peace that we gain from humbly surrendering to God are his daily gift of grace that there's nothing in this world can compare to that. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the weak, meek, excuse me, they will inherit the earth. Meek refers to mildness, gentleness of spirit, and humility. Meekness is humility towards God and others. It's very similar to submission and humility. Paul urged us in Ephesians 4 to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Be humble and gentle, 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Meekness models the humility of Jesus. He is the ultimate in meekness. Now, the opposite of meekness and humility is egoism. Egoism is the excessive focus or occupation with oneself driven by an inflated sense of self-importance. It's driven by pride, thinking oneself as worthy of the utmost attention or complete self-sufficiency. Our culture, as we all know, pushes self-sufficiency and having things our way so we can lead, so we can be led to worship ourselves rather than our God. Some of the examples I came across, L'Oreal Cosmetics, because you're worth it. Burger King, have it your way. It's all about you after all, isn't it? Obey your thirst. Gotta have my pops. Or it's everywhere you want to be. Philippians 2 talks about egoism. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you into the interests of others. Humility is not self-displacement. It's not a lack of confidence. It's not that we neglect our own needs. It is having an accurate estimation of who we are in Christ and thinking not less of ourselves, but of ourselves less often. We see and we care about the needs of others and we are willing to sacrifice our own preferences for the benefit of others. C.S. Lewis simplified it this way. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Let's remember that our existence is validated by God. He is what gives meaning to our lives. Only in him do we truly live. Every gift, every talent, every breath we take, this all comes from God. God alone is to be worshipped. He is of the utmost importance. We can never take his place, although we can try. We are called to entrust ourselves to God. We are to surrender our lives completely, worship him and him alone, and love him with all of our being. And then take the love that he gives us and love others. As we mentioned, Jesus is the perfect example of humility. We see the expression of Christ's selfless attitude in the Garden of Gethsemane when he submits to the Father's will to die on the cross for us. Jesus taught us that the greatest commandments were to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and also to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. When we keep these commandments, we take the focus off ourselves, and we place it where it should be, on God and on helping others. In the Christian life, 
when we're able to avoid ego, the I will, I want, becomes thy will, Lord. So how do we do this? How do we be humble and not proud? How do we be aligned with God? Proverbs 3.34 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So certainly there's some motivation. We all want to be blessed and loved by God. Pride is rooted in the belief that God is not God. Pride is the worship of self. Therefore, to be humble, we must be aligned with God, know God, and love God. Humility is important for everything that we want as a Christian. It's the type of soil that God uses to grow us. If you want to be a mighty warrior in the hands of God, it starts with being a humble servant and submitting to the master. Humility is recognizing that you need God's help, knowing that you can't succeed on your own. It's thanking God for your talents and your gifts, not taking the credit, giving him the credit for your accomplishments. It's being comfortable with who you are in Christ, building others up, not yourself, and it's gratefully walking in God's grace, his love, and his forgiveness. When you're humble, you can diffuse arguments. You don't need to stand up for yourself in an angry manner, and you don't have to win every argument because you're confident in who you are in him. You can handle unfair treatment peacefully because godly humility allows you to not feel a need for vengeance or revenge. You don't have to put on a false front when you are humble. You don't need to act important or like a big shot. You can eat humble pie without being crushed. So when you're humble, you can respond and learn from criticism, whether it's deserved or not deserved. And you don't become defensive. You can be, be aware of your failures without becoming devastated. You can ask for forgiveness even when you're only a teeny weeny little bit wrong. You don't have to push that you're always right. You also tend to talk with the right attitude. You're courteous, loving, regardless of the situation, even if you need to be firm. Developing a closer relationship with God reflects a heart that is truly reborn. Only those that are in Christ desire a closer relationship with God. And recall that our sin remains a barrier to complete and full fellowship with him. So what can we do now to have a closer relationship? We must confess our sin. He promises to forgive us and forgiveness is what restores a relationship that has been strained. We need to listen when God speaks. 
Let us remember that God doesn't always speak in an audible tone. He speaks to our hearts and our minds, and he speaks through his word. The Bible says that scripture is God-breathed and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if we want to go closer to God, we need to read his word. We need to make it a habit. The Spirit will illuminate God's word to us as we pray and as we speak or as we read. We need to speak to God through regular prayer. We need to set aside time for him each and every day. Not a time of five minutes where we're going to squeeze it in. Now's your chance to talk, God. Five minutes are up, so sorry. But to set a deliberate time. Be patient. It should be a priority in our lives. Jesus was a good example of this. He was always secreting away to spend time with the Father. And lastly, find a body of believers, as we have here, where we can worship together, where we can support one another, where we can love one another, where we can be there for one another. As we spend time with one another and we grow and we learn, we can't help but become closer to God. A closer relationship with God is built on a life of obedience. It requires humility. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So as we submit ourselves to God through obedience, we resist the devil and draw closer to God, he will draw closer to us. Through our submission and through our obedience, we show our love and gratitude. So the next time God puts a person in front of me to serve, how can my next God-ordained experience of humility be different? It can start with a choice, a choice I need to make every day, that I am not more important than anybody else, no matter what my position, my place, my bank account, or anything else for that matter. That when God gives us an opportunity to serve and serve in his name, we should do so humbly and gratefully that he has given that opportunity and be enriched by the growth, the humility that we can develop through helping others. Let us submit to his will and his plan, putting others' needs ahead of mine and yours. And thank God that he thinks we're worthy of that opportunity. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, not reluctantly or under, oh, I'm sorry, as for the Lord, not for human masters. And 2 Corinthians 9.7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We often use that verse to refer to things and tithes and so on. Don't give if you can't do it cheerfully. But I think God would use that to refer to our hearts and serving others in all circumstances. If you can't do it cheerfully, then you need to be praying about it and ask God to change your heart. Let us remember that Jesus suffered and died for us, for our needs. He thought of us. He thought of himself less and of us more. It seems the least we could do. The reward is priceless. It's a relationship with him, an eternity with him. 
let us remember to always be thankful to our Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word today. Thank you for putting opportunities, experiences in front of us, Lord. Although sometimes they can be very, very painful and very, very difficult. But we need to learn, God. We need to grow more and more like Jesus. And it is only through the process of life and its experiences that you can teach us, especially those of us that tend to be quite stubborn at times. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for all that you do, Lord, and all that you will do. And we praise you and submit to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.